0: Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Era remains largely obscured. As this book will make abundantly clear, that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart of one of the bloodiest eras in human history, in Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars by Scipio eruditus available exclusively at the
1: folks, and welcome to another edition of the Firmamental Podcast with your host, Raul. Alex is going to take the night off, so I'll be doing the hosting duties by myself tonight. I have a very special guest that I'm going to introduce to you very shortly, but real quick housekeeping. Just wanted to let you guys know, go check out the firmamentalpodcast.com, go cop some merchandise, leave us a speak pipe message, follow us on whatever streaming platform you're using, uh, give us a rate, share, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and you know, slap your friends and relatives and loved ones upside the head with this, this good material that we're giving you guys. So um, also we have Scipio a uh, host of Dispatches from Reality and a uh, famed Substack author. His new book is in printing right now, but you can reserve your copy for Anatomies of a Revolution at the firmamentalpodcast.com. So make sure you go uh, support Scipio and the great work that he's doing over there. And uh, with no further ado, I'm gonna introduce tonight's guest. I have somebody in a, an episode that I'm really excited to bring to you guys because this is straight up in my wheelhouse, and and you guys know that I've t- talked to you before that I've had weird, strange experiences in northern New Mexico, and I have UFO experiences and what I believe to be demonic encounters. So I was excited to get this this woman on my show. She is an author. And she is an abductee, and she's been through this experience, and she's wrote books about this, and she is now a Christian, and she's exposing her truth, the truth, to what's really behind this phenomenon. And and listen, I've listened to uh, quite a few of her episodes. I know she's a friend of L.A. Marzulis, and she is the author of the Stolen Seed. Uh, Stolen Seed Evil Harvest is the name of her book. Her name is Karen Wilkinson. And she's awesome. She's an author. She's here with us right now. And so, go ahead and just say what's up to the Firmamentalist.
2: Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just happy to be here with you tonight, Raul. We've had a great conversation already off off the air, and I'm excited for our conversation to come tonight. So it's a blessing to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Oh yeah, we're so excited to have you. This is something that I've wanted to talk about. I've wanted to have a guest for quite some time. And it's always on the Lord's time he brought to us. And this is the time. So we're happy to have you here. But I'm just so happy to talk to somebody who's experienced this stuff firsthand. And before we fired up the microphones, you know, I was kind of telling you about a few of my experiences in acting, asking you if you thought that it was, you know, I was encountering some of these uh, beings that you've encountered, right? And you said, "I, I believe you're probably encountering some of the same things I have, but you've had firsthand contact with with these entities. So uh, go ahead and just you can tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, you can start from the beginning, your first memories that you've had uh, with these experiences. Okay. And then just lead us through, you know, the plethora of experiences that you had up until the point where you, uh, you know, you're born again, and you renew this relationship with Jesus Christ and, okay. and gain an understanding of what has happened to you in your earlier years.
2: Great. Okay. Yeah, I could... Uh... Spend three hours going just through that, (laughs) but yeah, I, uh, you know, I was taken from as early as I can remember. My earliest memories were of of being taken. Um, There wasn't a time in my life when they weren't coming for me. As a little child, it was uh, confusing. It was terrifying, and it was impossible to talk about because you know we're talking back in the nineteen sixties and seventies. We didn't have a vocabulary for this, so. I couldn't even tell people what was happening cuz I didn't know what to call them. I had my names for them. I called them the little guys, the ones who came to get me. Um I had I called my handler he didn't have a name, but I had a little name for him nobody you know realized that was him. But so there wasn't a way for me to even I tried to talk about it, but there wasn't a way for me to share what was happening. So from a small child my earliest memories were of being taken. Um Fast forward, and I'll go back to that, but fast forward, um, when I was first born again, I was about 18 years old, and it was an amazing experience, um, and these things stopped. But what I didn't know, because no one was talking about it, was that the reason that these abduction experiences stopped during that short period of time where I was walking a good walk with the Lord was that he was, God was with me. But no one told me that. No one, I didn't know. You know, I, I just didn't have the pieces together. I was young, wasn't mature. I was a young Christian. And this type of message wasn't being shared. So I knew about evil and I knew about rebuking things. But, you know, when I fell away from my walk, they just came right back into my life because I'd never really excused them from my life in the first place. Um, so typically when I was little, um, You know, from as young as I can remember, I was afraid of anyone who looked like them. Like I had interactions with the Nordic-type entities, and some of my father's side of the family had similar features to that. No, they were not aliens. They were just tall, blonde, fair-haired, fair-eyed, fair-skinned, and very thin. And they reminded me of them. And so at two or three years old, I wouldn't go to any of those members of the family because I was terrified of them. And my family couldn't understand why. And I couldn't vocalize it. You know, A, I was too young. I wasn't speaking <laughs> that clearly, although I, I was, you know, communicating, I just didn't have any words for it. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you know, my memories, my clearer, more clear memories of being taken start around five or six years old, which is when most of us start being able to form these clear memories and, and, and remember things. Um And they would show up in the middle of the night. And I would just, I would feel them before they were there. I would feel it. There would just be a presence. I could, I would just feel terror and fear. I would feel this deep low hum this vibration you and I kind of talked about it it's like like standing next to a speaker you feel it through your whole body and I have spoken with so many other abductees and we all describe that same sensation when they're close there's definitely a vibrational change and I I've always wondered if that's maybe some kind of a change going from one dimension into another you know because we are working with interdimensional entities here um you know, the word alien kind of is a misnomer. It gets used overused and people, you know, like to slap a sticker on that is the little green guy with the big eyes. And, you know, they like to wear the ties and the t-shirts and everything that has it on there. And I, yeah, and I find that, and they're, you know, that they're from Zeta Reticuli and here and yeah. there. And I just, you know, and I find it, you know, almost offensive when someone wears something like that around me, because I'm like, do you understand the trauma I've been through? And now you're wearing a t-shirt with a giant devil on it. You know, like putting it back in my face. I, I don't find that um, appealing at all, you know, but I, I, understand. I, will,
1: I, I will interject here because I think it's funny. I think that's part of the it, it's part of setting up the end time plan is normalizing these things, putting that's them right. in our movies, putting them in our video games, putting them on our cereal boxes. You know, every, how many cartoons have these entities? You know, they make them seem like they're our friendly space friends.
2: Right. Everyone's clamoring to get a logo that has a strange alien shaped face on it or alienware, alien this, alien that, alien tape. I use alien tape. I like alien yeah. tape, but I don't like the name. That. You know, it works great. Just You know, um, no, I'm not promoting the product, but it does work great. Um, but <laughs> I don't like the name. You know, I wish it was yeah. named something else because it is. you know, it's my, it's just uncomfortable. I'm not going to say it's offensive. It's uncomfortable for me to always have to see this everywhere, you know, and to see people celebrating these entities who, who have not just me, but who have just terrorized and tortured people. So many people, you know, hundreds, thousands of people, and yet people are celebrating them, wearing pictures of them, sporting, you know, blow up, Creatures that look like them and putting them on their walls. I don't understand it. You know, for me, it just doesn't and make sense. It's a,
1: it's a pop culture figure, almost like Bigfoot is, you know, it's become, and, and and I even have a theory on Bigfoot. I think these are probably some of the genetic experiments these beings are making in deep underground military oh. bases. So uh, I let's, let's take it back on track. And can you kind yes. of explain the experience going through an abduction? Like, how yeah. does it start? You were talking about the feeling, the vibration. Right. Right. Um, were you asleep or awake? And then I want to know, like, take. I know it might be hard, but I know you've done this a few times now, so you're no rookie, but can you, can you explain the, 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 how it unfolds when you get abducted and the stages that you go through? And then, cause I, I know that first you encounter the grace, right?
2: Right,
1: right. And then they, yeah. take, they take you and it's like, they take you and then they put you on something they, and they escort you somewhere else. And then these other entities present themselves to you as well. Right. So can you, can you right. take the process? Sure.
2: So, yeah, like I said, though, you know, I'll, I would, the first thing I noticed would be a change in the room. And the, from the time I was little to the last, you know, till the last time they took me, that was always the same. I would just feel this evil, almost evil thickness, heaviness, palpable in the air. And then sometimes there would be a light through the window, sometimes there'd be light through a window across the other side of the house, but I could see it sometimes um the all the outside noises, like the cicadas and crickets and things like that would just stop the cows in the barn if we were on the farm because my grandparents had a farm would just stop, and everything would just get silent, eerily silent, but it wasn't like everything was silent. I could still hear the clock in the other room ticking. I could still hear other things. it was the animals um and then. The next thing I know, there would be two, at least two, usually more of the small gray entities that people commonly describe in my room. They would either be in a corner, in a doorway, at the foot of the bed, sometimes beside the bed, you know, sometimes just appear to be hovering and um, they would, I would be awake because I the feeling, the sensation that they were there woke me up. And I was a light sleeper because I just knew it was going to happen over and over again. Um, A lot of times I went to bed because I was just terrified as a little kid, um, knowing what was coming. Um, And they had this ability to put me into a state of paralysis, like sleep paralysis, but it wasn't. It was a waking paralysis. So I was wide awake, but suddenly I would be immobilized. (sighs) and unable to move, and just trapped there. And that hooks into a story of something that happens later in my life that is the crux for writing this book. But um, at that point, I would be levitated off of the bed, if I was in the bed. And sometimes I'd be like, sleep. if I fell asleep on a couch, they would, same thing, wherever I was fell asleep, they would levitate me, sometimes up through a ceiling, sometimes out through a closed window, sometimes down a hall, and out through another window, just depending on where I was. And I, I don't know why I, I they chose not, what they chose, but they did. I do want to
1: ask, uh, and just because I don't hear this asked too often and gents jump right back into where you were at, but mm-hmm. could you do this when there are other people sleeping in the room? Cause I would think mm-hmm. like, if I was
2: oh, yeah.
1: all the time, I would want to go sleep with somebody else or sleep with my parents or my brothers oh. or sisters or whoever else was in the house. Could they do this while other people were sleeping around you?
2: Oh yeah. It didn't matter. Um, I shared a room with one of my siblings and she would be shut off. Just she, nothing would wake her up. Um, I would sometimes go sleep under my parents' bed or at the foot of their bed, Um, you know, wherever I could to, I tried everything as a little kid. You know, one of my thoughts was if I could find a big enough suitcase and get in it and zip it up and hide it under the bed, maybe that would work, you know, and this is a five year old's brain just... Trying to think of frantically ways to hide, um and uh, so yeah, it didn't matter. They have this ability, and it's happened as an adult and as a child, whoever is in the room with me would just be shut down, like I could scream, I could yell, I could hit the other person, kick the other person, scratch the other person, nothing. they don't move, they don't respond, and you're physically touching someone, you know, not sleeping, um, you know, before I was put into then a state of can't move so and then at that point it doesn't matter because I couldn't move to even and I couldn't yell because part of that was I couldn't speak I couldn't move you know it was just frozen
1: immobilized
2: and immobilized, yeah and um then as I get close to the window or the ceiling you know I'd see Every detail um my grandparents' house had wallpaper on the ceiling. I'd see every little detail in the wallpaper, the little lines and then the seams that would be a little curled, or all the little dead bugs in the light fixture, or as you get close to a window, the smudges on the window or how all the little squares on the screen weren't perfectly squares and some were broken and some were bent, and some you know weird you know. things like that they just stick in your head because you're right up on them. The sensation of going through. The ceiling or wall was like what we talked about of that bass sensation. It was like that, but more intense. It felt like my whole body was just separating into a million bazillion little pieces. It's so hard to describe because we don't have that in our day to day lives. But the closest thing I can think is yeah, if you were holding onto a giant bass speaker at a rock concert and just felt that booming throughout your body and you just feel discombobulated. Yeah, that's I don't know if that's the right word to use, but you know, and so. At that point, generally, sometimes I'd remember seeing things, um, trees, hills, the river, the houses, things like that. And um, then I would be shut off into like a sleep state. And the next thing I would wake up in either standing um, at or getting into an elevator. Um, Sometimes I would wake up on an exam table um sometimes i wake up sitting on a bench like in the side of room you know just different places different times when they they would switch me back on um they could just switch your brain on and off they can make you feel happy sad joy pain they can take away pain they can make you feel elation all kinds of things they have this strange ability to just control feelings and emotions and and to and show you things and make you feel like you're seeing things that aren't there um only it When they do that, it is kind of like VR. Like if you ever put on a VR headset, not having that growing up, but having those sensations is wild because there was no way to describe it to other people. And I knew some of these things weren't real, but they would be showing me like movies that seemed just lifelike, like you could touch them, but I couldn't. I remember the first time I saw a 3D movie. I think it was a teenager when those started coming out. I was just like, that's so much like what I'm seeing. You know, but who do you tell? Because no one's going to believe me, you know. Um.
1: So uh, a quick question in, in in that experience, too. So, you know, you're going through, you know, materializing, dematerializing, like, who knows? I don't know how to explain it, too. Uh, but, you know, you're going through and then they, they're they taking you and then now you're on board where wherever they got you and they're transporting you to. Um During these experiences, I did hear you say, like, sometimes if you were clutching your blanket, it would it would go with you. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, so what you were wearing and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, but were were you were you like clothed during these experiences? I don't mean to be like too graphic. No, that's fine. Or or were you or were you in your uh, birthday suit? Like, yeah,
2: (laughs) it depended on the experience and and what was happening in that time. Like there were times when I was put in a room with a bunch of other little kids. Some of them are really messed up. And in those experiences, I was wearing whatever I wore there. Um, Sometimes I was on an exam table and I was completely naked and cold and uncomfortable. And, you know, and so it just depended on what they were doing for that particular time that they took me because it was never, you know, the same thing twice. Um, And I don't remember every time they took me, obviously, but for the times that I remember, It sometimes was very um, uncomfortable to be that vulnerable and to be naked, especially as a little kid when I knew that wasn't okay. Um, And that's kind of, I think, what led to my little breakdown when I was about six years old, because, you know, I was trying to talk to people and, and I didn't, like I said, didn't have the vocabulary for it. And they threatened me and showed me, you know, them killing my family if I spoke about it. And did that in kind of one of those they call it a screen memory is whatever is the is the term everyone uses for this. And those of us who've experienced it, it's almost like seeing a VR movie. It's so realistic, it, you can't tell it. You know, sometimes from real, but you know it's not real. So they and, would
1: actually show you images of them like murdering your relatives.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, I they didn't hear you.
2: Showed- They showed me when I started trying to talk. And like I said, I was just a little kid. They showed, they took me out in the backyard. And I know that I was physically standing in the backyard that night at my grandparents' house. Because I could feel the grass under my feet. The dew was on the grass. uh, And it was prickly. You know, I wasn't comfortable because I was barefoot and I was cold. And there was a clothesline. And on the other side of the clothesline, they lined my family up. And they sprayed something on the backs of their heads. And they're like, don't. Don't cross the line, be good if you talk, we're gonna behead your family, and they showed what it would look like for all of them to be beheaded in front of me. I was a little kid I mean that's the point where I lost it, and I realized I can't fight them. I don't have anywhere to go or anything I can do about this, and I broke down i mean they they called my mom to the school. I was just huddled up in a corner in a ball in the corner of the bathroom stall, just rocking, just like catatonic. And she came and got me and I, I tried to say what was going on, but no one understood. She took me to a doctor. He said, you know, clearly something's going on, whatever it is, she's going to forget. She's little, young kids are resilient. She'll be fine. And at that point is when I, I surrendered to what was happening and I let my mind just kind of go where I had that happening. And then I had a life over here and I learned to go somewhere else in my head and not allow myself to fully experience it sometimes because it was just too much. Um, And just live in my own little world and make believe everything was fine because it was, You know, and I think God gives us that protection in our minds to be able to just compartmentalize things that are too hard, you know, and it's not God's fault that this was happening to me. You know, we live in a fallen world and somewhere along the line, someone gave them permission to take me. And I came from a family that had a lot of deep Masonic roots. And I'm not saying that's it because I don't have any proof of anything. But somewhere along the line, someone gave permission. It could have been as far back as the Granada Treaty that, you know, supposedly was made during like the Eisenhower administration. It could have been a family member. It could have been a friend of the family. You know, little children are bought and sold in this world still today as if they are, you know, worth less than uh, lab rats. So, you know, it's no different then than it is now. Um, but yeah, I really, I really, um, it was really hard and, uh, I never thought anyone would believe me. And I never thought I'd be able to talk about it to anyone. Um, and the things that happened along the way were just increasingly traumatic. I'm sorry. Did you have a question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just so real quick because, uh, when you tell the story about, you know, being six years old and you in the stall rocking back and forth, it reminds me of, and and you, you probably met this individual, but I remember this is one of my uh, favorite movies from when, when I was, you know, when I first saw it and I've watched this movie probably a handful of times, but the Travis Walton fire in the sky. And when they,
2: yeah,
1: I know, I know, I know. I
2: I saw a scene from that movie.
0: There's that
1: scene where he, uh, where he shows up naked and they touch him and he freaks out. And then, and then the syrup starts dripping on his head. So like what you're describing remind, just completely reminded me of that scene when he's like totally freaked out and he's in shell shock, I would call it. And then yeah. they touch PTSD. Him so, so I think like, uh, it's amazing that at that young of an age, you were able to get this ability to say, okay, I have a, a life that's completely normal. I'm a kid that goes to school. I got you know, a family. I have this everyday life. And then there's periods of my life when I'm having these experiences and you were and you able to, to protect your mind by disassociating yeah. and, and disconnecting in a way and, and, and accepting this is, thing is happening to me, but at the same time, I still got to operate in this normal world. I couldn't even imagine having to do that like that's yeah. uh, that's crazy, and God was with you at a that very. Was God.
2: So, yeah, that so, was God because I and I think children do that in in bad situations, abusive situations, in horrifying situations that children to this day are still put into that breaks my heart. You know, I didn't have it as bad as some of the kids in our world have it today. You oh
1: know? man, crazy! Our our you know human trafficking has become the more lucrative for these. For these mafias than than the illegal arms trade or drugs, you know right. they're the new one commodity now, and it's disgusting. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. our Lord's gonna, our Lord's gonna going to redeem uh, what's happened to those people and those yes. guilty of of per- perpetrating these crimes against children. It's better for them to have a millstone cast around their neck and tossed into the sea, right? But right. and the hardest thing do for,
2: that is crime not.
1: for people that would harm children. But at the same time, we need, to, we need to be praying for these people to, to have revelation yes. wake up to what they're doing.
2: Right. And Back we have to, to remember that we are all part of this fallen world. So when we pray, and I love my friend, Vicki Joy Anderson said this the other day, we have to include ourselves in that prayer and be, God, please let us all, all of us be aware. Let us all see the truth. Let us all protect these little ones. You know, and I heard so many children and animals screaming over those years that I can't I can't stand. I cannot stand to see a an, a child or an animal harmed in any way because it is so deeply disturbing to me from the PTSD from that. I mean, to this day, see, look, I'm tearing up. Okay, you ask a question and I'll wipe my
1: eyes. Sorry, oh, yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, oh. So I, I, I know it's it's yeah. it's tough, and yeah, take your. No, time. I
2: don't usually get this emotional, but the children and the animal things is, it's just too much. It's too much, and that's, you know, and I know that, yeah, God has a,
1: has I'm a hugging her now. I'm giving, thank you. It, I'm giving her a, a virtual hug, you
2: know, thank you. No, so, it's it's, so, it's serious and people need to be aware of it because it, it's, you know, all this stuff that's going on, but yeah. So back to where we were, guess, sorry, go ahead. So
1: I'm going to, I'm going to bring you back to where you were at. So, um, I want to get more into, because what you shared on like the mount herman podcast was so i mean i was just blown away by the story and how descriptive like you're you the the experiences that you can recall in your memory you, i mean it's this is not a fabrication of somebody's mind folks this woman has really went through these experiences go back so so you're with these so the ones that first show up the ones that take you from from your home or wherever you're at they're these little grays okay then they they have you, and then they escort you to t- tell tell them about the experiences and where you were escorted and 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 what okay. you've seen in those in that chapter in those parts of yeah. the ductions
2: so yeah, um when I would be sometimes I would wake up and I would be at an elevator um and there would there would be like these rows of like elevator doors, and it would one of them would open and I would still be being escorted at that point, usually by the a shorter grays, a couple of shorter grays. And we would go into the elevator and it would just go down and down and down. Um, and um, then we would get off of that and I would be escorted onto what I used to call when I was little the sideways elevators. Because they would go side to side or sometimes at an angle up or an angle down and really fast. And there were benches in there like leather kind of or pleather. I don't know if it was real leather, if it was what it was, but, you know, um, with like the little sewing, you know, um, ridges in it. Cause I would play with my fingers in the little, where the, where it was sewn. Um, yeah. And the little seams. Thank you. <laughs> like <a threat> card. <laughs> and, and, and I, I didn't have, I didn't realize that vehicles could travel without sound like that because, you know, we're talking sixties and seventies and cars were loud and trains were loud. And buses were loud and everything, you know, it's transportation was different. Um, And then then that would take me to a place where I would meet up with my, the guy who was always with me. And I call him my handler. Um, Sometimes I would call him Toby, but his, he was a handler. He didn't have a name. We had a knowing, like an imprint. They didn't use names there, but everyone, every one of these entities that I met was identified uh, just, and I'm like a imprint, like a brain thing. I can't describe it because they didn't use names, but they all had a different um identifier. And I, so there were some of them that I knew I'd seen over and over again, and some were brand new and some I never even paid attention to, quite honestly. So at that point I'd be with my handler um, and he appeared as a man. He was very tall, very square jawed, very you know military looking buzz cut. Uh, sometimes he'd be in military fatigues with like the pants tucked into the boots, and and I think they might have done that because that was something that was I was familiar with and comfortable with to me. He kind of looked a little like my um, best friend Chad's GI Joe doll. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if they, you know, pulled that to make, make him look like that. Cause I've heard other people say, I had one, but he looked like Abraham Lincoln. And I had one, but he looked like this, you know. So that might be why they pulled that. I don't know, that image from my mind. Um, because that wasn't who he was. It was just how he appeared to me. Um later in life, when I was more comfortable with him and grew affectionate with him and had like a Stockholm syndrome relationship with him he showed me his true form which was one of a what you call a reptilian Oops. and um he was not ugly he was not like a disgusting slimy i i think lizards are cute anyway i don't i love all animals and creatures so except really spiders i don't prefer them but i don't hate them um i just don't like them anyway he he wasn't ugly you know he was beautiful um he was very just robust and his skin was just kind of shiny and opalescent and looked like instead of scales, it was almost like jewels, but not jewels. I can't, it's so hard to describe. Everything was just really beautiful on him. He was, you know, I found him, I was just so used to being with him and I had a very Stockholm syndrome relationship with him. What is Stockholm syndrome? uh, That is a good question. I should explain that. Yes. So Stockholm syndrome is also known as capture bonding. And it's when someone is taken or kidnapped by someone and they form a relationship with their captor. And it becomes almost a codependent relationship with that captor. And they form a bond and a closeness with that captor because that captor is now is now the person who provides them safety, maybe food and water, comfort, shelter, whatever that that person's providing, and you know people get that in abusive relationships where they become very tied to their abuser because that person's also their provider, and you know it may be an abusive relationship, but they're also bringing them trinkets and you know chocolates or flowers or doing nice things here and there to keep it you know going and so it was a lot like that um, and so you know it was it was a really weird um, unhealthy situation clearly. And, um, but, uh, so he was always there when I was taken the little grays, you know, they're very, um, and some people probably heard me talk about them, but they're like meat suits. They have bulbous heads and big black screen eyes that are stationary. Their eyes don't move. They just look like screens, they're, they don't smell good. They have a kind of a rancid sulfur, urine, dead animal, feces kind of smell about them, depending. Some smell worse than others. Not all of them smelled, but some of them really did. And, and, um, they are real thin and scrawny. They don't have any external organs showing. They are, for all intents and purposes, just an avatar to carry a, an entity in my, my my belief is they're carrying a demonic entity. They could carry AI. They could carry another full um, non-human entity inside that suit. But from my experience, the ones I was in the presence of felt very evil. You know, they don't have mouths that open. They don't have sexual organs, so they can't do a lot of damage. They're very frail. But I felt like they were inhabited by demonic entities. And for my friends who don't know, a demonic entity is the um, is the uh, progeny of, of a... I'm sorry?
0: I was going to say,
1: I I think they're disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Yes,
2: they are. They are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, which are the progeny of a fallen angelic being or a fallen ha Elohim, the fallen sons of God. You know, when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels with him. And a human, which they've been doing since, you know, Genesis 6. And... <laughs> which set up you know, the seed war is set up in Genesis 3 and 315 and just goes from there and it's still ongoing today. Um but back to the entities so that's who I that's what I really believe that the grays are that most people encounter and it makes sense because they would be able to be in our atmosphere, they would be able to be around us if they got caught in some way, if there's a crash, what's going to be retrieved is an empty suit. Yeah. That demon can stick around long enough to play with people and mess with people's minds. And, you know, because they are liars, they are here to steal, kill, destroy, deceive, lie. And they might stick around long enough to just deceive people and make them think, hey, we're your space brothers. We just want to share information. And then, you know, they take off and the suit is just laying there empty. I mean, I've seen them empty. Other people have seen them empty. Um, I think Whitley Strieber wrote about seeing them stacked in drawers. Other people told me about seeing them hanging up on like some kind of hanger racks. And yeah, and we've all, a lot of us who've been taken have seen them just stacked in corners or, you know, there's storerooms. In
1: the sky, uh, Travis Walton has a scene and he's in some kind of uh... In that movie, there's a scene where he wakes up and he's in like a pod, and he breaks out of it, and he's trying to like escape, but he can't. They come and they grab him, and they take him to this room, and the and the and they're like their avatar suits are hanging on the on the wall on
0: these hooks.
2: Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that you know I I like I said I have a real I I need to watch that movie. I need to try to watch it. I tried to watch it when it got to that scene where he was naked and somebody touched him and he screamed. I had a panic attack and I had to leave the room and I cried for an hour. And then it's like, I don't think I can watch this movie. And everyone's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, nothing. It's, you wouldn't understand. And I just, you know, because you don't tell, you know, you can't tell everybody that that's what's going on. Um, or at that point I couldn't. But, um, so yeah, I'd seen those uh but then once I was wherever they were taking me, you know, usually to these underground facilities, I say underground, it could have been underwater, it could have been underground, who knows, but it was down it in the elevator. Tartarus,
1: right? Uh, the depths, I'm sorry, the Tartarus, the depths, uh, sheol where these things are encapsulated, you know what I mean? Right. And it makes okay. sure that you say that the graves smell like sulfur because where does sulfur come from inside of the earth?
2: Mm. That's true. I never thought about that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That could be why they smell like that. They're like rotten eggs and ugh, they're just nasty, nasty creatures. Um, and then there were other greys. And I think those little gray suits are fashioned after the other greys. Because the greys on in the facilities where I was and the places where I was taken, they were taller. They were different heights. Some were really tall. Some were kind of tall. Um, some were not very tall at all um some were more robust than others but they all had that same look about them just like people they were just different sizes and shapes and styles of the same entity you know i mean you could they were all grays but their eyes moved and they had mouths that moved and they had facial expressions and you know could raise their eyebrows or their forehead things would wrinkle um and they didn't have eyebrows. Um, they were freaky looking. Um, and, um, you know, so they they were very different than those little grays. You could def- definitely tell. There's a huge difference. They seemed to have personalities, even. Um, none of them were nice, but they did seem to have sort of a personality. Not that they spent much time sharing with me. Um, I was just a lab rat, you know, because um, they would do just different experiments or whatever they were doing on me. You know, sometimes it would be like a big machine that came over the, like an x-ray machine, or I would have to stand somewhere in front of something that I'm guessing was some kind of a, maybe an x-ray machine. You know, I don't know what any of those things did. Um, they would just stick needles in my neck or my chest or my wherever, you know, you name it. They probably did it uh, very invasive um, and different all the time. Um. And then there were the insect mantis looking type entities. They were always off on the other, just off kind of watching everybody. When I was little, I called them the corner sitters because they were always off in the like a side of the room, you know, away from everybody kind of watching. You could tell they were smart. You could tell they were somehow watching over or overseeing. You know, they didn't tell me what they did, obviously. But um, you could tell that they were important. Well, nobody seemed to mess with them. Um, but they um, always just seemed to be watching, you know. Um, and it seemed like there wasn't ever a bunch of them in one place. I don't ever remember seeing a bunch of them. But, like, there'd be one here and then one in that room and one over you know, they were just kind of scattered. And then there were humans there, too. There were humans who were wearing um, what looked like lab coats. There were humans who were wearing what looked like military fatigues. There were humans who were wearing like kind of these really benign beige smock kind of tops and pants or tops and skirts, depending. Um, And then there, of course, were abductees. You know, there were always abductees here and there. And um, so trying to think, you know, and there were the Nordic type entities who looked close to human but their eyes were really big and all I can say about them is from the time I was little I they were just mean to me you know they I don't know if they didn't like us because they looked so close to human and or we looked too much like them maybe I don't know I always wonder why they were so mean but they were really mean um just disdain you just I would always get a sense of just I don't like you from them towards me you know just disdain just like they so so
0: quick
1: question on these so so we have the little grays we have the larger grays which are more expressive seem to to have personality traits
0: Mm -hmm. we have uh
1: these insectoids and then you have the the nordic looking species i also like when i think about the nazis right hitler wanted they say hitler wanted this uh create the supreme race and i think that maybe he was all into like divination and and contacting spirits and he had like all these uh you know mm-hmm. shamans and spirit guides and they're practicing black magic and i think they encountered these things possibly because they were exploring around down in antarctica oh and, yeah yeah and i think that you know and, and here on firmamental obviously with the name firmament we're we're level playing geocentric we're we're flat there's what they would call flat earthers but you know um i think that uh that's where hitler got this idea you know of right. god-like species and and he wanted to create humans in their image right or he wanted this race that reflected them um so that that that's really strange right there but in your opinion uh, out of these entities that you encountered during these experiences which one was the highest ranking
2: it seemed to me like those um the mantis types were the probably the highest ranking um just because nobody ever messed with them but you know I think that these, um, these, the, uh, reptilians were also pretty, I (laughs) think, you know, I think the mantis ones were, and, you know, anything I say in this would be speculation because they never gave me that. But it was, it was almost like they were pretty high ranking, but like the reptilians were super strong and kind of lorded that over the others. But then it seemed like the grays were really, smart and good communicators so that was their thing like they each seemed to have a different strength and and you know the nordics looked more like we did so that was their strength and they were good at knowing how to communicate with people so it's it's hard to say but yeah. if i had to guess i'd say the mantis were because just because i didn't see any i never saw them doing any real work, work. um and i was really afraid of them So I think if they did come near me, they probably put me down like asleep because I was terrified of those. I didn't want them near me. So my guess is if they ever were like doing something to me and it was one of those, they would have made me sleep because there's no way I could have been around them when I was little, especially. Um,
1: So when you talk about there's different versions of these things different species of these things you know the, the the bible and scripture and 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 other ancient religions and even like native american lore and and uh, other I, ancient civilizations talk about these things in in different ways you know and i and and obviously the bible says there's different um like angels there's not only one version like it, it references the seraphim the cherubim the nephilim like there's all these different so I don't think that there's just one. And I think that a lot, lot of people that aren't familiar with this subject, sorry, if you're hearing, hearing that thing. guys, somebody's sending me messages. Sorry, I should have <laughs> muted. Anyways, but um, I, you know, there's not just like people think aliens and automatically, boom, they just think greys. You know, now I know there's people that talk about shape-shifting reptilians and stuff. Mm-hmm. Listen, like I think any, I think truth is stranger than fiction. I think these things, these things really exist. There's way too many people having these experiences. Like you said, there's so many people that just haven't come out of the closet that aren't willing to talk about this stuff, but these entities actually exist. They can exist around us and they have spiritual powers and uh, capabilities that are beyond our human limits. So sometimes we perceive these things. In your opinion, would you say like there's actual like people walking around and like under the disguise of humans that are actually like, like these things, like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think yeah. that there's undercover aliens walking around among us as humans? And, and the Bible does say, you never know when you're entertaining angels. Right. But obviously right. there's bad ones and and let's not forget folks, there's good angels too. They're uh-huh. only uh-huh. one. Thing. So there's two thirds are, are are good and, and protectors. Right. So in your, uh, can you talk about probably the good ones? versus the bad ones and and do you yeah. think that they they're they're out here walking around us
2: yeah i think it's entirely possible that they are and i know that sounds crazy but look we've been conditioned to believe a story that has been spoon-fed to us for a very long time as opposed to the native traditions and the oral traditions and the things that are written in our ancient texts and not so ancient texts that say otherwise So everyone's been, you know, conditioned to believe that we just live in this sterile little world where it's just us. We exist here and nothing else. And boom, that's it. And that's unfortunate because I don't think any other culture on earth has ever believed as narrowly as we do right now. And that is purpose done and purpose driven because everything in the spiritual realm is heating up and they know it. And the only way to allow it to continue without people wising up, getting saved and being able to rebuke these things left and right is to convince people that they don't exist. You know, from the movie, um, uh, from uh, the movie where it says that the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people he didn't exist. Um, The usual suspects. Yeah. That, you know, Kevin Spacey says that, I think. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: sorry.
1: I think it was a Robert De Niro movie. Yeah. Where, Robert De Niro.
2: Yeah. It might've been that's, Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Or yes. Al Pacino.
1: Al Pacino. Yeah.
2: One of those. Yeah.
1: them so. too mixed up, but yeah, it was the devil's advocate. I believe in it. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's it. The, exactly. The, 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 the greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled on humanity was convincing them that he didn't exist.
2: Exactly. And that's going on today. So nobody's looking for it and nobody's kicking it out. They're just accepting it into their lives. And now you've got people out there calling on UFOs and wanting to see aliens and saying, I want to be taken. I want to kick those aliens in their butt or I want to be taken because they're my space brothers and all this other stuff. And look, I'm not belittling anyone and anyone's thoughts and beliefs. But what I am saying is don't go after these things. Don't go calling on them. You know, we we are dealing with something that's so far, and you know this, and I know this, but a lot of people don't, that we're dealing with something that's so far advanced of us and so far ahead of us. It doesn't exist just in our universe, in our little space, but exists across multiple different possible um, planes of existence that we can't even imagine. And they're coming in and out, and they're so powerful, And we are powerless against them. The only thing we have going for us is that we have the same creator that they do. We have the same creator, and we can call on that creator, and he's going to protect us. And that is the only way that we are safe from them, is from them. And I can vouch for that because I've done it, you've done it, or you call on Jesus, and they have to go. They have to leave. And that's the only reason I'm not being taken today. And I wish I had known that when I was 18. I wish someone had been sharing that information then because I wouldn't have gone through a lifetime of this, but you know what? The Lord has his plans and I'm just happy to be doing whatever God wants me to do. And, and I will take whatever's happened and do make the best of it. But you asked me about good angelic beings as far as the good Neha Elohim, the sons of God. When I was about, yeah, about seven years ago, I had a near death experience. Um, I was in a hospital and getting, up for surgery and I was in the operating room. <laughs> my surgeon wasn't ready. So I wasn't hooked up to anything yet. I had two IV ports in, that's it. And a, a nurse anesthetist or an anesthesiologist, I don't know what she was, came in the room, leaned over me. She had a big white lab coat on and the pocket was full of syringes. She pulled out a syringe, pushed it into my IV port and it was supposed to be what I thought a sedative. She gave me a paralytic and she walked away. And I died on the table that day. And having spent a lifetime of being taken to be put in a position again where I was immobilized, I couldn't yeah. move, I couldn't speak, I couldn't yell for help. That was, for me, the worst way for someone to kill me was to put me back in that situation. And I died right there on that table. I remember in my head going, Heavenly Father, help me because I there was nothing I could do. And, and he said, it's okay. You can let go now. I'm the kindest. Softest, most gentle voice, but I knew it was the voice of my creator. And just like that, I was out of my body watching everything. I felt the most love and peace I've ever felt in my life. Time didn't exist the way it does for us here. I could see and hear and experience everything, no fear, no pain. Um, but afterwards, they had a really hard time getting me out, um, bringing me out of the anesthesia. Every time they'd bring me out of the anesthesia, I'd start screaming in pain. And that was upping my blood pressure, and they were afraid I was going to have a stroke or a heart attack, so They kept putting me under and bringing me back out. Four hours into this, I remember praying, going, God, please help me. You know, either let me come back to you or help me through this, because I didn't understand what was going on. And um, the next time I opened my eyes, there were these two handsome young orderlies standing at the foot of the bed, the gurney that I was on. And they I looked at him, I'm like... Oh, they just instantly brought me comfort. And I looked at them, I said, you look like you could be two of my boys, you know, about the same age as some of my kids. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, they were just so sweet. And all of a sudden, I was just instantly comforted. And um, that was, they were able to bring me out of fully out of anesthesia and get me back prepped and up to the ICU where I was going after surgery. And these boys were with me. They just comforted me. They were so sweet and kind and loving. I get to the room and I grab my husband and my daughter-in-law's hands. I say, You have to meet the boys. Oh my gosh, they're just like our boys. I can't wait for you to meet them. They're so sweet. I wouldn't have gotten through this without them. And they weren't there. And I asked the nurse and the other orderly, I'm like, what happened to the boys that were with us? You know, and and they're like, What what boys mean? What are you talking about? And I'm like, I was talking to them. All the way up they were with us in the elevator down the hallway she's like oh we wondered who you were talking to honey there's nobody there there's nobody was with us nobody else saw them. Maybe. yeah or yeah just you know sleep talking coming out of my sleep or yeah just you know not making sense um i saw them no one else did i searched that hospital for them i was i had a walker because i couldn't walk because i had suffered a stroke through that um which is why This side still doesn't move very much, but, um, you know, I searched that hospital high and low for those boys. You know, nobody knew who I was talking about. They were nowhere to be found. Um, and in my mind that they were my angels. They were, that was a good angelic encounter. They came, they did what God asked them to do. They comforted me. They didn't take anything from me. They didn't interfere with my life. Once they'd accomplished that task and helped me, they were gone. They didn't interfere with anyone else either. Now, that is, to me, how you can see the difference between a malevolent and a benevolent entity. Yeah. <clears throat> they didn't kidnap me or rape me or do experiments on me or, you know, terrify me or take me against my will. No, they just came and helped. The, you could, I just felt love and peace with them. That's the difference, too. You know, I never felt that with those other entities, ever. So, there are good entities out there, yes, there are, and thank you, Jesus, that there are twice as many of them as there are the others, you know yeah. so and we know from the Bible that they' fight, they fight on our behalf, they fight each other, you know, so we know that they exist, and I've seen them and experienced them, and they're amazing so there is there is good too, you yeah, know? but we're not supposed to go looking for them and no.
0: yeah. i uh
1: when i say prayers you know obviously i i, I pray directly to the father I, I pray to christ and but i will say protection prayers you know and, uh, over my my home you know and over where my children and my pets are at and i ask for god to deploy f- uh four guardian angels on all four corners of the property to watch over us you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: and, uh well, because yeah. they're like they they work for him you know now exactly.
2: it, like Jesus. Psalm really work.
1: Jesus is running the show, but, but Jesus does use these entities to, to protect us. And mm-hmm. I, I I'm, I'm convinced too, that I've encountered angels in the flesh, like people that just come into your life for a brief moment. And, and, and then they just, and then the next thing you know, they're gone. And you're like, Whoa, that was just a different experience than I've had with anybody else. And it's, and, and you're right. That's how, you know, the difference between the good and the bad, like, uh how did they make you feel if you feel terrified <laughs> then it's an, then it's a bad spirit if if you feel this overwhelming sense of love it's probably a good spirit like God gave us our intuition and he gave us the ability to have discretion and and when you when you really tune into to that uh he shows you you know he speaks to us but you got to listen you got to be in tune with it like so many people like you say it's just it's sad in our world that we live in is so many people are just tuned out and so many people are just, you know, going herd mentality, you know, cognitive dissonance, like they're, they're so consumed with social media and movies, TV shows and video games and electronic devices. Like I'm convinced that's part of the enemy's plan is to dis- disconnect us from nature because nature's connection to God. And, right. and, and they would, they want us hooked up to technology. And I'm really convinced that the whole artificial intelligence and transhumanism is all about that. Basically they want to take it to another level. They don't just want to have gray skin suits. They actually want to be able to come in and and, and encapsulate us, which we are temple that the, the, our bodies are the temple that houses the Holy spirit. They want to integrate that and be able to control us. And I think if you put a neural link in your head, Like you're giving these things authority to to take over your mind, and then they now inhabit you. Now they have the bodies that they wish they had to do these. uh, Because what what do they want to do? They want to do everything that's an abomination to God. They want to have. They want to have. I don't mean to be graphic, but they want to have sex. They want to eat. They want to. Yeah, it's like that's why they in the Bible they were crying. Those, those demonic spirits were crying for Jesus to cast them into pigs because they exactly. would rather be in a physical body than just be cast out into, into nothingness, you know, and exactly. have no form, you know? So I think that these demonic spirits, that's this transhumanism is, is one of the final assaults on humanity. And and people really leery about this stuff. And we need to get back to our roots with nature and and they're doing it right. They're doing it, but they're poisoning our environments, they're spraying us with chemtrails, they're injecting us with vaccines that have this technology inside of them. They're putting this GMO stuff in our food, they're putting it in our water supplies. It's like, how do you escape it? It's really important to pray over your food, folks. It's really important to have to have clean water. Don't drink tap water. Don't take their injectable medicines. Don't, you know, I mean, what can we do about their environments? But if if you can, if you have the ability to move out of the city, grow your own food, raise your own uh, livestock, like uh, raise chickens, raise rabbits, do whatever you can start racks in your house and grow food. Like we need to do what we need to do to get back to, to being in unison with the father and mother nature, because he gave us mother nature as a gift. And we're supposed to be stewards of the planet and this yeah. is an invasion on what God, a gift that God has given us, and these entities since the beginning of time, have been trying to steal what God gave to us, and they've been jealous of us the whole time, you know and and oh, they before, have yeah, before yeah. Genesis six happened, and God wiped them out with the great flood, these things were taking over humanity and and even yeah. think of dragons and and uh some of these monsters in like Greek mythology and these abominations like Medusa or like goat men or a minotaur or centaur. Like people think that these things are just made up of folklore. I think these things actually existed at one time. And Absolutely. Were the abominations of that, these angelic okay. creatures were making, they weren't the creatures that God made and put on the earth. They were things that God made and these angels perverted them and changed them. And, and so God wiped them out but i think that they're still doing this oh yes excuse me but i think they're still doing this shit yes. in deep underground military bases i think if we knew what was what they're messing with underneath us we would be blown away
2: no. no yeah i think it is it goes a lot deeper and it's a lot scarier than anyone can imagine but again we're going back to you know, we've all been convinced that there's nothing but us. It's just us in this clean little world and there's nothing else. There's nothing beyond it. There's nothing above us. There's nothing below us. It's just this. And and it's a very scary view for people to have because they're going to be shocked when they find out what's really going on. You know, everything has been, you know, obfuscated from us deliberately, you know, yeah. as L.A. Marzulli says, you know, deliberately obfuscated from us in And people have to just be awake and be aware and be looking at what's really going on. You know, like you said, yeah, get in the dirt and grow something, you know, appreciate what God's blessed us with, you know, learn how to bake your own bread if that's your thing. If it's not, then whatever, you know, you can do to help and to be self-sufficient because we're not teaching our children to be self-sufficient. I'm teaching my children. I taught my kids to be self-sufficient. That was important to me because I never wanted them to have to depend on calling up and ordering groceries. You know, if you need something, you can make it. You know, I mean, they'd be like, oh, we don't have bread. I'm like, we can make bread. We can make bread that'll be ready in 30 minutes. And we can make bread that'll be ready in three days. Which kind do you want? You (laughs) You know, you have to teach your children that, we don't have to depend on someone else for everything that we need. Am I milling my own flour? No, but I have a friend who does. You know, so that counts. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think it's really important that people understand that deception runs really deep, and I don't think we're going to ever get any kind of full disclosure from the powers that be because to do that they would have to admit to what they've been doing for a very long time. Yeah, and that yeah. deception is incredibly deep, and what they've been doing. They <laughs> And animals and humans. I mean, you talk about cattle mutilations. No one talks about the human mutilations. And the same thing that happens to cattle is happening to people. It's crazy. You know, but you don't hear about it. Nobody hears about it. And they think, oh, cattle mutilations. Oh, it's just one of those things that happens. How is it? You know, really look at it and then tell me, explain how this is happening. All over the world. The Surgical precision. And these cows are drained of blood, but there's no blood pooling anywhere
0: yeah
1: yeah laser sharp incisions uh genitalia removed with precision very specific okay. parts too very, very specific. specific organs sex organs lips it's like they're going for very specific parts and like yeah, you said specific
2: they're, cells they're, and you things like
1: that a of, uh, of satanic hillbillies just doing okay. this this is a surgical precision you know it's the same thing like if you look at the the ancient megaliths, and i've been really getting into old world and 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 Tartaria, and the mm-hmm. evidence of blood floods and cities that oh, great yeah. that were destroyed, and they were harnessing energy from the ether. And we've had I think we've had multiple resets where these people that rule our world rewrite our history and erect heroes that are fake and they mm-hmm. put them on a pedestal and they say, "Oh, we made these buildings. No, these were here before you they guys, yeah, they were here, you know, and it they was-
2: knock down buildings they don't want us to see, and they, yeah, rename things. And, yeah, I mean, I used to love to collect old history books, like as old as I could find, because they all said something different, yeah. and I just thought that was fascinating, you know how you know everything you know we just you you have to just we just we have to understand that we're living in a world that's been created for us in a for people to believe a very specific narrative that's been put before us and and it's unfortunate, but the the Bible tells us, you know, they will be given a strong delusion, so strong that even the most elect would be deceived. We're being deluded. We're being shown a delusion every single day of our lives, and the only thing we can do is pray, put on the full armor of God, and know that we are protected. You know, and I love how you talked about, you know, praying the angels around because Psalm ninety one says he will charge his angels. About us, that we wouldn't strike our foot against a stone. I mean, that they would lift us up with their hands, their hands. Yes. And then there's other verses that say where Paul talks and he says, You know, well, if me or an angel preaches something other than the gospel to you, then they should be stoned or whatever, or, you know, persecuted. He's talking about angels preaching to people, you know, all throughout. The Bible and the Word, they're all over and they're doing things that humans do. They're interacting with us. So, back to your question from a a long time ago, do I think they could be walking among us? Yes, absolutely, I do. Absolutely. And we would never know it. Even Dr. David Jacobs, who's not a Christian, not a believer, but he wrote that book, Walking Among Us, which (laughs) another book I can't read because it's so triggering. But um, sorry to use an overused word, but it was, I tried to read it, but it was just like, oh, I can't. because he hit really close to home. Um, But, you know, and my friend Al Matthews has had face-to-face interactions with hybrids. You know, it's just so many people have, too many people have had the same experiences that I have had. Too many people have interacted with hybrids and non-human alien entities. And too many people have been taken. Too many of us have lost babies with no explanation. They go and they look, we go to our four month appointment, and everything is there except for the fetus. How does that work? And they're like, oh, you must have lost the baby at home. I would know if I lost the baby. Yeah, right. Especially in that of a pop pregnancy. out, and you're like, oh, look, there goes the baby. Oh well. I don't
1: Maybe know, I'll know see if it
2: my was, doctor next week.
1: I don't know if it was you or another uh, uh, abductee experiencer that I heard. But were, did you ever? Were you ever allowed to see your hybrid children? That they that okay. Was. I with you. So uh, can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, sure. Now, um, there was one time that I have a very vivid memory of holding one of them as a tiny infant. Um, <clears throat> and I was taken in this hallway. And again, we're in one of these underground facilities. And it's most of these facilities are very darkly lit. I don't think they can be in a lot of direct sunlight, or a lot of direct light, everything's almost like blue or red, or kind of a violet kind of backlight everywhere. I could never really tell where the lights were coming from either, which is weird when I was taken. But this one hallway seemed to be kind of red backlit. It was a long hallway and very tall. And on either side of it were these rows of what looked like aquariums. And in those aquariums, kind of like a 10-gallon size aquarium would be, were fetuses. And I don't know what they were, if they were human, if they were hybrid, if they were animals, you know, they all looked at different stages and looked kind of different and strange to me, and I couldn't see clearly. And they didn't let me stop and really take notes about each one. You know, I was being ushered down a hallway, um, but it was it was crazy how many there were just in that one little area. And we get to the end of this hallway, and there's a door on either side, and the hallway continued on, but the but it opened up into something else. So, at the end of that part of the hallway, there was a door on either side, and I went into the one door. They opened the door. And um, it was a room the size of a large closet. And there was another woman in that room. And she was doing what I could only assume was imitating childbirth. She was going through something very ritualistic. And they had her baby there for her. And she was pretending to give birth to it as if I don't know if they were trying to see if that would do something. I don't know. She was really excited about her baby, though. And then they handed me my baby and they said, this is your baby. This is a good baby. Hold your baby. Love your baby, you know. And so it was very small, but it had a very large head and very large eyes. And I held it up to me and it didn't cuddle into me. It didn't, you know, my babies just nuzzle into me, you know, even a baby kitten will nuzzle into, you know, and nothing. It was like holding a brick. I mean, it didn't respond to me. And I'm like, what's wrong with it? It won't respond to me. You know, I don't even, I couldn't even tell if it was a boy or a girl. I mean, I didn't see anything. So I'm thinking maybe it was a girl, but um, it wouldn't cuddle into me. It wouldn't respond to me. It was alive. It was very purple, bluish, reddish kind of a color. It was a very dark color. Of course, that could also have been some of the lighting because that lighting was so dark. So I don't know what it would have looked like in the bright light, but. Um, it just wouldn't respond. I got really upset, and then they're like, they came to take me because I was upset and it wouldn't respond to me. And, but I'm like, no, I'm taking my baby with me. It's my baby. I'm taking it with me. No, you can't have your baby. You know, that was the whole thing. I was very, very, very upset about that, and because I thought, if it's mine, then if I can take it home, maybe I can fix it or help it or something. You know. So um, sad. <laughs> yeah, it was hard, and then they just how old were you? Me Early 20s, probably. So, exactly how old I was at that, maybe 25, 26.
1: But at what, what age was your last abduction experience or memory? When's the last uh, time? When did it stop?
2: It didn't stop until a couple years ago after I had my I
1: as recently yeah. as a couple like years ago,
2: mm-hmm. like six years or seven years ago, right after. So after my near-death experience, I went down a little bit of a new age path again. And then immediately realized I'm not a co-creator. I have a creator.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And it seems all lovely at first when you start going down that path. And then you start to see the real icky grossness of the things that they like sex magic and all this other stuff that starts to warm its way in. And you're like. I know that's wrong. Yeah. Somehow Jesus has been lost in all this and woke myself back up. God brought me back. God showed me my way back. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not that I didn't believe in Jesus. It's not that I wasn't praying. It's not that I wasn't, didn't know he was my creator. It's not that I didn't know that, but I wasn't living it in my heart of hearts. I wasn't living it in my everyday. I was thinking it was okay that, well, I know Jesus is, is my Lord and Savior, and it's okay if he hangs out over here while I'm over here doing this stuff and having fun and whatever, you know, because he still loves me, and I know I'm forgiven, so I don't have to walk that walk. But the problem is, the further you get from him, the easier it is to forget that he's there, and he loves you, and he has a plan for you, and he wants to protect you, and you get in trouble, you get in trouble real fast. And the devil has a way of making the trouble look all pretty and puts it in a beautiful, shiny package. But when you open it up, it's not pretty at all. Yeah. And the only thing that comes from it is heartache. And I just remember that day realizing, oh, my goodness, this is not, this isn't right. I've fallen away. I fell on my knees and I probably cried for 3 hours and just praised God and prayed and and asked forgiveness and repented and repented and cried and praised and just got all of the, the yuck and the gross off and out and away and I was finally free again. And it was the most amazing experience because he never left me. All those years, he just waited gently for me. But every time I got close to something bad happened, every time I got close to losing my life or feeling like I wanted to take my own life, he stopped me. He always stepped in just enough so that I wouldn't forget that he was there and then let me do my thing and pay my consequences until I found my way back. And he never stopped calling me back. And that's the beauty of it is he, God will never stop calling you back. He loves you so much. And I'm saying this to anyone out there that needs to hear it. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've been, where, what path you've gone down in your life, he still loves you. And he still wants you back. You are the prodigal son. He wants you back. He wants to give you the big ring, kill the fatted calf and have a huge celebration when you come back to him loves you so much. And that's what he showed to me. And then he's like, now that you're back, I've got work for you to do. (laughs) And I never thought this would be it, but he's like, now you have to go find, you know, do this and this, and this is, that's how we ended up here. I went through PTSD therapy for the near-death experience, and it helped me deal with this lifetime of abduction experiences. And that was all God. And then he put me in touch with L.A. Marzulli. That was all God. You know, every step of the way, it was his divine intervention and his divine love, his perfect agape love for me that brought me into this path. And and I just want to tell anyone out there who's gone through something like this, something so horrible, you can come out the other side. He's just waiting and he doesn't want you to go through this anymore. He wants to protect you and save you and love you. Okay, sorry, I'm listening
1: Oh, no, that's not a soapbox. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and there's a message out there for somebody who listens to our podcast. I know it. I just feel it in the spirit. And there's somebody that needed to hear that. And we thank you. And, and it, our Lord loves you. And, and I, I love you, too. And I love that you're sharing that with us. And, and it is beautiful. I mean, I just think, you know, we have a shepherd that will leave the 99 to go rescue one. But, you know, we have tendencies to make excuses for our own sin. You know, I, I'm guilty of this, too. Even recent, recently, you know, like, you know, I've worked hard all week and and I've really busted my tail. And, you know, I deserve this drink. And then, you know, one drink turns into four and four turns into eight. And next thing you know, you're doing something stupid that you regret the next day and you feel like crap for two days. You know, <laughs> it's not, you know, like what I've really been focusing on lately. <clears throat> and I thank God for the podcasting game and my brothers that I have and the other you know, truthers that I met, and everybody that's come on the show, I've 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 maintained some level of contact with, I love and that. we all keep each other accountable. This is the greatest community I've ever been a part of. We really look out for one another, and we're passionate about this. We might disagree on little details, but when it comes to the grand scheme of things, we're pretty much on the same page. And you you do have a calling on your life. And what you're doing is powerful. And and there's people out there that need brave people like you. And God's called you for it to be that brave person to inspire others who are hiding and running from these things to to step out, because that's the way we break the chains of bondage is when we confess our sins unto one another. Obviously, we confess it to the Father. But when when you confess your sins and you do not hide and run from them and you face them head on... Like you can break those chains of those chains of bondage. And I did want to uh in saying that kind of just rewind just a tad because yeah. in the beginning of the show, and I have another friend of the show shout out uh Joseph Colin Wright. Um, I want to get your book on our website, by the way. But and man, this guy's just had so many strange experiences, but it's coming out now through another brother of ours, shout out Scipio, that uh Scipio pointed out to him. I think a lot of this stuff has happened to you throughout your life. A lot of these demonic encounters or encounters with strange entities has happened to you because uh, maybe some of your relatives were in in some strange things, you know. And it's coming out now that like this dude's related to royalty, and uh, you know that 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 he probably has like relatives that were involved in like some sort of ritualistic magic or maybe even masonry and have ties to like elitists. Um, so maybe some of this stuff is generational. Um, I heard you mention that you had, uh, grandparents, I think you said that were practicing Masons and that you had parents and myself. The, yeah. The rainbow. What?
2: I was a rainbow girl. My parents were Eastern star and D Malay Eastern stars for the women D malays for the men. That's the junior group. And then continued. And my grandfather was a high level Mason. Um, and um and we also come from a royal bloodline so uh it's all over the place you know there's so many different ways that and so much of that that could seep in and that's not to say that everyone who is involved in in a masonic group is evil No, you know a lot of people get involved in it because it's what everyone does in that area or it's what the cultural norm is or for whatever reasons it's where you go with it and how deep you are in it that that has the impact right so because i was inducted into rainbow girls i didn't know what they were putting me into um but that's the for the young women you know young girls like around 13 to 16 years old um or i think 13 to 18 and um i found it gross uh, honestly because we were just little girls in formal dresses walking around a room circled the room was ringed with these old men it was just it was gross um i could sense that you know all my senses went up and it's like this is not a good atmosphere you know get out you know you get that feeling when you're not safe yeah
0: i'm not saying they did anything
2: right but it, it didn't feel comfortable yeah it's just like oh it felt creepy and gross you know and i know my parents were in it in college you know in that and the young adults groups. And then I know my grandfather was a very high level Mason. And then I know my father was involved in like Knights of Columbus and stuff like that, but you know, he was a good man too. So I don't, I can't say what impact that had. I know I come from a Royal bloodline as well. And um, so I don't know, you know, I negative, you know, I think there's a lot more to that than we're ever going to have all the answers to, I think it's a manipulated bloodline um, because when you have an RH negative, it means you don't have that protein around the blood cell that is what creates the diff- the positive versus negative. And I think that was done on purpose to try to maybe, manip- you know, it doesn't make us non-human. It doesn't make us nephilim. If you have red hair, you're not nephilim. If you have RH negative blood, you're not nephilim. It just means you have a different trait but I think it might've been something that was messed with to try to get back into being able to procreate with humans, because I really think during the flood of Noah, God changed something significantly. I mean, they were shut in the ark for seven days. What happened during that seven days and how much did God change them? You know, it's, we're talking about our creator. Anything is possible. You know,
1: this is just a theory of mine, but um, I possibly think too, because now, now God could miraculously perform a miracle and like have all these animals get along with each other for the time that they're on the ark. But mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks that it didn't house all these animals, that maybe He gave them a form of the animal or mm-hmm. like a feed of the animal, or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like exactly. Oh, yeah, it so could it.
2: have been genetics. Like, in, yeah. And then and they, they were of. able
1: to, like, afterwards, you know, God showed them what they had to do to. Right. to, to to recreate them. I don't know. This is just a oh
0: yeah
1: a, a theory that I that I have. But mm-hmm. no, I'm with you on that thing. The the reason why I ask about the uh you know the lineage and the spiritual ties mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying that your parents your grandfather was a knight of Columbus and so forth, but I've had another guest on my show who uh who was a victim of satanic ritual abuse growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Nathan Reynolds and his story and his grandfather was a knight of Columbus and so, his parents yeah. and and the family were uh part of a serpent cult. I, I don't, I can't recall the name of the, the name of the cult again, but he said, these people, they seem very normal on the outside. They, they're, they're okay. members of their community. They might even go to church. They might put on mm-hmm. that, you know, they're, they're normal people in the community. They might even be politically active. They're your teacher. They're your, whoever, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. They're a
2: deacon in the church. They're a teacher. They're a, they're a congressman. They're a yeah, town councilman, whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And he said, you know, these people that prey on children, they specifically put themselves in positions to be around children. You know, they'll 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 be teachers, they'll be bus drivers, they'll be yes. scout leaders, they'll be church, leaders, yes. church youth group leaders, you know, and, right. and they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They put on they put on this mask to portray this image, but they're they're wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, right. and, and it's scary, you know. We really have to keep a sharp eye on our children. And uh, it's just, its it, this is the time now we start pulling away because it's very apparent that the, the, the times that we're living in have just become, at least for us that are awake, not woke, but awake, that things have become so strange. It's like, it, when, when we live in a society, in a government, in a world, in a country that is so corrupt and they're not using our taxpayers' money, to to do anything good for us they're just using it to fund wars they're using it to traffic humans they're using it for to steal elections they're doing it for all this nefarious stuff it's time for us to lock arms and say uh, and 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 civilly be disobedient but do it in a peaceful way but say we're not participating right. in this anymore. If we all locked arms and were right. able to do that they couldn't do shit to us. Right. But that's why they have to feed us all these agendas to keep us so disbanded. And I talked to people today I'm like the one of the things that really irritates me is is critical uh, critical race theory And it's like, how are you going to fix racism with more racism? And even slavery, we've been lied to about like the slave trade and stuff. I believe there was black people in America before there's African blacks. There was American blacks, too. I believe some of the native tribes were actually black, uh, black people, dark skinned black people. And even uh, less than five percent of white people were slave owners. Ninety five percent of white people couldn't even afford slaves. And there was black slave owners, too. and, and, And they've totally constructed this story to to blame a whole group of people and and even if we're generations uh, uh you know removed from having to do anything with slavery ourselves they 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 they're, they're going to teach our kids like all white people are oppressors you know and then if you're if you're black or brown you're oppressed and you live in this fundamentally oppressive system where where you'll never succeed so they're they're feeding brain seeds into black and brown people telling them you'll never be successful because this system is built to to not let you succeed which is a lie that's a lie you we, we you can succeed it's up to you to go succeed you know and at the same time i'm not saying that there was no people that that took part in that but how many people are are come from a lineage and descendants of of non-slave owning families, people that fought for the other side in this. I don't know how all those wars went down because I think a lot of history is fabricated, but how many other people died, liberating slaves, you know? And what about all the white people that came over from Eastern Europe and all these other countries that were escaping fascism and communism and came here for a new life that had nothing to do with slavery that they should feel guilty too because they have blue hair or green eyes. And like, all it's doing is building resentment and animosity between two groups and telling them that they fundamentally can't get along. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy because even then, how are you going to fix racism with telling another group it's okay to, to, to hate this group because look at what they've done to you. That's the exact opposite of God's teaching. God is about love and forgiveness. And yes, if whatever, whatever the real truth is, let's get to that. But, Yes. Even according to their story, okay? Let's say their story of history is what they're telling us is true, okay? But even then, who? it's going to do us no good to just resurrect old memories and instead of learn from our past mistakes and move on from them and find common ground uh, and, and and forgive one another and embrace each other's cultural differences and learn to get along and coexist and love and have forgiveness for one another and move on. We're just going to replay all this old stuff and refuel hatred and refuel animosity and anger. And, and and one group's going to get preferential treatment over another. All you're going to do is build resentment between the two groups. It's just totally one of their little games that they're playing to keep us divided because they know, they know if we locked arms, if we locked hands together and we stood in unity man, forget this right and left crap, forget this Democrat, Republican bullshit. It's all a facade. It's all a big game. You know, right. I'm, so, I'm so not looking forward to what's happening with Trump and Biden because I think they're both horrible. Like, I, yeah, a, it's, it's, we don't horrible. really have a good Biden's choice, Biden's worse, but like, yeah. I don't trust Trump either. I mean, we're talking about yeah. the guy that pushed Operation Warp Speed and it's like, I see b- behind all their crap. I see behind all their crap and I'm a multi-racial person, you know? Like I have Hispanic mm-hmm. blood, I have some Native yeah. blood, I have European blood, and you know, I, I it's beautiful. And and I, I have love Hispanic children, old. I have
2: Native American children. Um, my children are all married to. I mean, we are such a mixed, wonderfully, beautifully <clears throat> mixed bag in my family. Trust me, you know I'm the odd man out in my family. But no, and I see anything that divides us is is a problem for me because I don't think that any division that we have is just giving. The evil a leg up. I mean, we have to be careful. We have to stand together. You know, I, you know, wherever anyone stands on how did the Nephilim return or where everyone stands on the firmament and all those things, I think it's amazing. And there's so much good information out there. Honestly, I think we're all right <laughs> in some way. I think there's even a bigger picture and we're all kind of missing it. And we'll get to know that when our time comes. And that's why I think it's so beautiful that we get to share all this information. But when people start fighting about it, that's what hurts my heart because Jesus has come to one another with gentleness and kindness and love and share with each other and lift each other up and help each other you know and if we're not doing that with each other as christians uh, there's no hope for us there's no hope for our world we've got to be
0: uh.
2: a unified loving group of people who are looking past the differences and just loving and lifting each other up and being good to one another and kind to one another and embracing our differences and sharing that information. I mean, everyone gets so up in arms about the shape of the earth. I mean, I think it's fascinating. I love all of it and I'm learning so much from everyone, like from what you guys are sharing and everyone else. I'm like, gosh, that makes so much sense. I love that. And then someone else will come out with something. I'm like, oh, that's good too. You know, it's all just good information.
1: Gosh, Monday is amazing, man. Yeah. Oh man. So good. Honestly, like I was really upset with the way the a lot of people were like, "Oh, still, I know good God could use bad f- and turn it around and 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 use it for good." But mm-hmm. I was really disappointed with the uh, Pastor Dean O'Dell, Pastor Greg Locke, Flat Earth versus Globe Earth church debate. Yeah,
2: that's that made I, my heart I, hurt.
1: I Ugh. thought it very ugly. I thought it was a bad representation of Christianity, yeah. and that's a a bad taste. The and honestly, like you know, I think Dean Odle, uh he referenced way more scripture than Locke, but. Um, I just didn't like the way it ended. And, and after I had Josh on my show, I was like, man, I was like, I wish he would have been the one to represent the yeah. the level playing earth because man josh Josh is
2: amazing yeah josh is such a good guy he's amazing i love him his biblical
1: cosmology stuff is on point brother shout out josh monday and the christian conspiracy shout out to
2: josh monday he's a great guy a strong christian a great father and husband and wonderful all-around guy and smart i wish i had more time to learn more about what he does and what you guys are doing but god has me on this path <laughs> but i really want more time to know and understand more so we'll have some conversations you and i because i want to understand more um but i find every bit of it fascinating and you guys are so smart and you're sharing so much good information and i don't understand what everyone's got is just like just be like it's all about taking a side i'm like is it or is mm-hmm. it just about sharing information and you can you can feel how you want about it that's okay as long as you got salvation right We're good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Hey, hey, um, we're never all going to agree on everything. That's what makes us human. We're all going to have our different viewpoints, but we shouldn't like uh, be counterproductive and tear each other down. Or another thing that I hate in the truth community is people calling people double agents or that person's a shill or or that person's a secret mason or this person has a hidden agenda. Like, you know what I mean? We need to pump the brakes on all that. Like, I'm sure... I know the the enemy's infiltrating, he tries to infiltrate on everything. Just do what you do, stay in your lane, have respect for one another. If you find something good, there's good information in everything. Even somebody that that's putting out bad information, they're giving you some bit of truth on some level. So take what you can consume and use and then spit out the rest. Okay. But we shouldn't tear each other down. And it makes us look ridiculous. And that's the way they want conspiracy theorists to look, right? Like we're these nuts you know right. in our mom's basement trying to connect the dots <laughs> taking our hair out you know smoking meth like right. no that's not that's not how we are you yeah. know we're just inquisitive people who are critical thinkers and we want to know the truth and you can't keep yeah. a lid on it and god won't allow them to keep a lid on it right. he's going to bring it out and as long as you do the footwork and you pray to god for discernment he's going to bring you the information it may not be an instantaneous download but he will reveal to you it in due time. Sometimes you can't get a miraculous instantaneous download. I know people that have had physical encounters with God, you know, that he literally like appeared to them. And, 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 you know, so it's not impossible, but we all have a, a mission to fulfill. And it's like, are you stepping up to the calling? And, The enemy uses our sin to separate us from our calling because when we live in sin and listen, I sin, I'm a sinner. I know I need God's grace, but at the same time, I don't let my sin separate me or stop me from keeping to pursue my father's, what my father wants me to do. I get up, I dust myself off and I say, okay, uh, I need to get back to it. And, every
2: day is a new day with God and every day we start again and every day, but, but been, been, and every day I'm going to meditation. sin. It's just my, it's, and I have a sinful nature.
1: Yeah. I've been meditating on this one scripture though. And it was like, you know, to return to your old ways is like a dog returning to its vomit. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, now that I'm older, it's like, I've had a little bit of taste every now and then, like go back and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to go out or go, go to the yeah. bar. Okay. And then God shows me immediately. This is not the place that I want you. and. uh And it really, dude, it's like, uh, why do you want to return any child vomit? Like once you get to a certain point in your walk and and you're walking good and you're getting strong and you're connected, like God will show you like, dude, do you really want to go back to that? I don't think
2: so. Right. Some places will seem just repellent. They won't feel good. They won't. You know, you'll go back to someplace you've been, you're just like, oh, why did I ever go here in the first place? Or this just makes me feel bad. It just puts a heaviness on your spirit. And that's just, that's just the glory of God. You know, He's always revealing new things, and we're growing and we're learning. And as we're going along, and we need to just back to the, you know, lifting up our brothers and sisters so that we're all walking along together and we're all growing and we're helping each other along the way. Because yeah, I am so grateful that I don't have to be perfect because <laughs> I am very far from it. You know, and every day is a new challenge, but I know God's got me and I know he's going to help me through. And every time I start to feel sad or feel bad for myself and, you know, get on the the crying train or whatever I'm going to do that day, you know, God taps me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, I got you. It's okay. You know? And then he sends one or two people to send me a random text out of the blue, you know, some mean girls mean to me, but then three other nice girls will come along and be like, hey, you did a great job. Or, hey, sister, I just want to say I love you or have a blessed day, you know, so God's got me, you know, and and I wish I wasn't so needy sometimes, but I am because I'm human. So (laughs) that's how we are, you know, so. But this has been amazing, and I hate to wrap up yeah. our time, but I know we're getting close. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I just before I keep going on,
1: that, yeah, I know. I just wanted to tell you that that you really glow. Like you're glowing to me right now. You remind <clears throat> me of one of my really good friends that that kind of watched over me during a hard time when uh when my mm-hmm. father passed away, and uh, yeah, I actually had a year where I lost like four people really close to me within the span of a year, and I wasn't dealing with it, really, and I was in drugs and alcohol. And I had somebody that watched over me, would check on me, make sure I would eat meals, and just like, and you remind me of her. So, like, that sounds
2: I, like something I would do. <laughs>
1: so I feel I, I feel a, a, a lot of automatic love for you, not only but you're a sister in Christ, and and I love what you shared with us, and you are on a mission from God. And I do just want to pray real quick, and then I'm going to shoot it back to you, and then you could tell people yeah. where to find. It. But I just want to say, right. Father God, Lord Jesus, Lord Yeshua, thank you so much for this opportunity right now. Uh, use this message that Karen shared with us to touch somebody's heart, somebody who needs it. Uh, let the light shine down on them. Show them the truth. Show them the way. Show them the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. Just God bless Karen and her ministry and her work. and Because it is a ministry, Lord. she's She's out there calling to people that have been victims of this or victims of abuse or victims of PTSD. She's being brave and stepping out in faith and and sharing her story. So just bless her and keep her protected from head to feet and guide her path uh, and and just give her, renew her cup, refill her cup every day, energize her, give her the strength that she needs to fulfill this mission. And also God, just just bless this podcast and the people that we're trying to reach. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity in your holy name, Yeshua. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, brother. That was beautiful. (laughs) No, I see the spirit. There was a while when you were talking and I was just sitting here smiling so big because I could just see the Holy Spirit with you. And you were just glowing too. I mean, I even wrote it down. I'm like, I have to tell him because you just it was so beautiful. So, you know, it's wonderful to meet another brother in Christ who has that as well. And you are truly anointed and you're a blessing. And I'm so grateful that I got to meet you tonight. And now we'll be friends so that's wonderful so yay
1: sure. you know. i'm friends with everybody that comes on the show so before can... we wrap it up yeah. before we wrap okay. it up go ahead and tell them uh where they can find you
2: yes okay um uh, the book is stolen seed evil harvest and you can find it exclusively at lamarzuli.net. that's l-a-m-a-r-z-u-l-l-i.net um you can also find the links to that on my website, which is my name, KarenWilkinsonAuthor.com. And I'll give you all of this for the show notes so that you don't have to worry about how to spell it. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Karen Wilkinson on Facebook, Karen Wilkinson Author on Instagram. Unfortunately, they're different. Um, and I know LA is running a special right now where if you order my book, you also get his book UFO disclosure with it right now. So um, this is February 1st. So I think that is going on, I think for the month of February. So again, it's UFO disclosure and he's giving that away with my book this month. So check that out. He's always got something special going on on the website. Um, So yeah, check that out. Um, I will be at the prophecy watchers conference in Orlando, Florida, Florida, the end of february beginning of march so if you're out that way shoot me a message and let me know you're going to be there so we can meet up and i'd love to say hi um and then um as far as the rest of my schedule for the year i'm just getting that short up so soon that will all be on my website but right now um the only one that i can confirm as of today is the prophecy watchers conference which is next month this month i'm sorry it's february so yes that's a lot but uh And if you have any questions, you can, if you want to reach out to me, there is a page on my website where you can contact me and it goes directly to my email and I will get back to you. It may not be able to get back to you right away because I get a lot of messages every day. But I do go through them all. And if you ask me to respond, you know, if you're asking me a question or you want to just kind of share your story, share your experience, just know you're not alone. I will get back to you. Um, please don't think I've forgotten you if you've already reached out and you haven't heard from me. I absolutely will get back to you. Sometimes it just takes a while, depending on my schedule and my travel schedule and how many messages I got recently. So, but please reach out if you just you're not alone. You're not alone, especially if you've had an experience like this. Just know you're not alone. And I'm working on some things for the near future where hopefully we'll have a little network of people you can talk to. And I'll be able to hook you up with those people through my website as well. So, and a good Christian network of solid people that are, you know, that we can work together and just, just to have fellowship with.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us once again. You heard it here, folks. That's Karen Wilkinson. Uh, you heard all the information. I will make sure to post all the relevant links in the description below. And uh, thank you again for joining us. And remember, guys, protect your domes. We'll see you next time. Peace.
0: How do we find ourselves here Within these walls and chains As a teardrop land that's to blame